Please turn in your Bibles tonight to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2. 1 Peter, chapter 2. And I'll read verses 4 and 5. And coming to him as to a living stone, rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ In these verses, Peter looks back to the Old Testament temple and he compares it to God's New Testament temple, which is the church. The Old Testament temple in Jerusalem was made of stones cut out of the mountains of Lebanon. We read of the massive project of the construction of that great temple in 1 Kings chapter 5. Solomon had 80,000 hewers of stones in the mountains of Lebanon. And we read that they quarried great stones, costly stones, to lay the foundation of the house with cut stones. 80,000 men cutting stones from the mountains of Lebanon. And then Solomon had another 70,000 men to transport the stones from Lebanon down to Jerusalem. And 3,300 chief deputies who were over the project and who ruled over the people who were doing the work. That temple had its priesthood, the sons of Aaron, their robes of glory and beauty. The priests came with their animal sacrifices, the sprinkling of blood in the holy place upon the mercy seat. The world had never seen a project so vast as the construction Of that temple in Jerusalem. And never had a building been built so majestic and so beautiful as Solomon's temple, Psalm 80, 48, and verse 2, beautiful in elevation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. But all the stones used in that temple were cold and dead stones. And its priesthood with its robes, all of its rituals and ceremonies, it was only an outward priesthood with earthly beauty. And they came only with animal sacrifices which were of no real value to the Lord in heaven. But that temple in Jerusalem has been replaced with a New Testament temple Not a temple located in one place in a city of Jerusalem, but a temple located in every place, in every nation, to the ends of the earth, wherever the gospel of Christ has gone. Not a temple of dead stones cut out of mountains, but a temple made out of living stones who are believers taken out of the world. A new temple with a new priesthood, And the priests come not with animal sacrifices, but with the spiritual sacrifices of faith and worship and praise to the Lord. A living temple with a living priesthood, with living spiritual sacrifices. Whatever beauty and glory there was in that temple in Jerusalem, it has been surpassed with the far greater beauty and glory of the New Testament temple because it is being built with living stones and with the beauty of a priesthood of faith and holiness who come with spiritual sacrifices. This is what Peter is speaking of here, the superiority of Christ and the superiority of the New Testament temple. In verse 4, he speaks of Jesus as a living stone. The Lord laid this cornerstone of the church predicted by the Old Testament prophets. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation. And Peter says here in verse 1 that he was rejected by men, 
referring to the death of the cross, he was choice, but he was choice and precious in the sight of God. Psalm 118 and verse 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and this is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. In the beginning of verse 4, he says that we continually are coming to him. We are coming to him as to a living stone rather than to an altar, to in, in an earthly temple. We are continually coming to Jesus, who is our great high priest. And then in verse 5, he says, You also, as living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. We once were dead in our sins, but now we are alive. And we are living stones, believers in the church throughout every place of this world today, being built together into this great temple, this spiritual house, this temple of God filled with the grace and influence of the Holy Spirit. The temple in Jerusalem was filled with the Shekinah glory cloud. The New Testament temple is filled with the glory of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, a universal glorious temple which God is now building as a dwelling place in the Spirit. This is what Paul speaks of in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20. He says, You are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord and in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. And then he says in the second half of verse 5, for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is who we are as believers in God's new covenant temple, we are his priests, a holy priesthood. We come to him with spiritual sacrifices acceptable to him as we come through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the great high priest who has gone before us. We are priests who follow after him. The priests of the old covenant foreshadowed the coming of the great high priest, but they also foreshadowed believers as priests of the new covenant. There is no longer an elite priesthood to whom alone have the privileges of drawing near to God and entering into the holy place, but the privileges and blessings of the priesthood now belong to all believers and we all have access to him and we draw near to him in the holy place of heaven by faith through Christ. He has made us a kingdom of priests unto his God and Father. So this is what we want to consider tonight. The great privilege, the blessing that belongs to us as priests of God. And we want to remind ourselves of these privileges that this is what we do. This is who we are. When we come to worship God in the church, we are priests unto him. And we have this great privilege that belongs to us as priests of drawing near to him in the holy place of heaven by faith. And so when we gather here for worship, we are not just performing outward religious ceremonies. But we are the priests of the living God. And we are to remind ourselves of these great privileges that belong to us. Tonight we will look at six works of God by which he makes priests. Six works that God, by which God makes priests. Six works of God that he did with the old covenant priests, which foreshadow even greater works of God in us as his new covenant priests. And we will see tonight the great high privilege and the astonishing Blessings that belong to us as the new covenant priests. Several things, works of God to Aaron, six works of God to Aaron and his sons, by which he was made, they were made priests. 
which foreshadow the great work of God made to us as well. In the first tonight is that priests had to be chosen and called by God. Priests had to be chosen and called by God. Back in Exodus chapter 28 and verse 1, God said to Moses, He said, Then bring near to yourself Aaron and your Aaron your brother and his sons with him from among the sons of Israel to minister to me as priests Aaron and Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. So the Lord chose and he called Aaron and his sons to minister to him as priests. The Lord chose the tribe of Levi to care for the tabernacle and its furnishings. And then out of the tribe of Levi, he chose the family of Aaron to serve as priests. That they might be set apart to minister to him in the holy place of the, of the tabernacle. It was a sacred and exalted privilege which the Lord sovereignly and graciously bestowed upon Aaron and his sons to be priests. He could have chosen any tribe of the nation of Israel. He could have chosen any family in that tribe, but he chose the tribe of Levi and the family of Aaron. It was an act of his sovereign election, and the privilege was bestowed upon them. No one else was ever to intrude into their holy office lest they would come under the judgment of God. This is what the writer to the Hebrews says in chapter 5 and verse 4. No one takes this honor to himself but receives it when he is called by God even as Aaron was. And the same thing is true for us. That we did not become these priests. We did not become priests. Because we took the honor to ourselves. We have been made priests by the choice of God. Chosen of God from eternity. And called by him out of the world to be his New Testament priests. This is what Peter speaks of here. Down in chapter 2 here in verse 9 he says. But you are a chosen race. Back in chapter 1. And at the end of verse 1, he says, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Here he says that we are a chosen race, chosen of God by his election. A royal priesthood, he says. A holy nation. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's where we once were. We were in the darkness of this world. We were under the power of Satan and his rule in his kingdom of darkness. But we were among the elect of God, the chosen of God from eternity. So God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And he called us out of that darkness and into the marvelous light and truth of his kingdom. This is how we became priests. Not by anything in us or any works in us, but by his effectual call alone. So just like those old covenant priests had to be chosen and called of God to their office, so we too have been chosen of God and called by him to be priests unto him. The New Testament speaks of us in this way often, chosen and called. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, it says, Whom he predestined, whom he predestined, whom he chose in eternity, these he called, chosen and called to be his priests. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, Therefore, holy brethren, he says, partakers of a heavenly calling. That's what has happened to us. A heavenly calling by God the Father calling us to be his people and his priests. Aaron and his sons were chosen and called to the privilege of serving as priests in an earthly tabernacle. We have been chosen and called to the much higher privilege of serving in the heavenly tabernacle. 
in the sanctuary of heaven itself, in the true presence of God, in the holy place where he dwells as we enter by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ. A second thing that a second work of God by which he makes men priests is that priests had to be consecrated or sanctified to him. We see this if we turn in our Bibles back to the book of Exodus chapter 29. Exodus chapter 29 and verse 1. And Moses says, now this is what you shall do to them. This is, God speaks to Moses here. This is what you shall do to them to consecrate them to minister as priests to me. This is what you shall do to consecrate them. He is speaking here of Aaron and his sons, they were to be consecrated to minister here to the Lord as priests, which means that they were to be set apart. They were to be separated from the rest of the nation and all the, other, all the rest of the people to the service of God. The word consecrated also is the same thing as sanctified. They were to be sanctified, set apart from the rest of the people for his service as holy to God. This is what you shall do to them to consecrate them, to sanctify them as priests to me. It was a one-time consecration that took place here at their entrance into the office of priest and the various ceremonies and rituals of their consecration are given in what follows in this chapter. For us in the New Testament, we too have been sanctified. We too, in the beginning of the Christian life, there is a sanctification, a consecration of us by God, by the blood of Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit in which we are sanctified and set apart to God to be his people and his priests. This is why we are called saints or the holy ones because we have been set apart by him. Paul writes to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2, and he says to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints, holy ones, by calling, sanctified, set apart. We read in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10 that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And by this, by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. So the old covenant priests, they had to be sanctified. They had to be consecrated, separated to God by these outward ceremonies and rituals. But we have been sanctified to his service as priests by the blood of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are chosen called, and we are sanctified to be his priests. A third thing, a third work of God to make priests is that priests had to be brought near to God. They had to be brought near to God. We see this if we turn back to Exodus chapter 28 and verse 1. In Exodus chapter 28 and verse one, God said to Moses, then bring near, bring near to yourself Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the sons of Israel to minister as priests to me. Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. Beginning of the verse, he says to Moses, bring them near to yourself. But then if we turn over to Exodus chapter 40, Exodus chapter 40, and verse 12, God says here in verse 12, he says, then you shall bring, you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the doorway of the tent of meeting. So Moses was to bring Aaron and his sons near to himself, and then he was to bring them now to the near to God, to the 
doorway of the tent of meeting. The entrance into the tabernacle. Then you shall bring them to the doorway of the tent of meeting. The same thing has happened to us in a much higher sense through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we have been brought near as well. We have been brought near to God through the blood of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far off have been brought near. You have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, in order to bring us to God, to bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh and made alive in the Spirit. And Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says to us, Let us draw near to the throne of grace. And so there is this bringing near to God, For the priests, Aaron and his sons, they were brought near. But they could only be brought to the door of the tent of meeting. And only the high priest could enter into the holy place once a year. But we, when we have been brought near by the blood of Christ, we do not stay outside at the doorway of the tent of meeting. We have entrance into the holy place into the holy place itself by the blood of Jesus, not just once a year, but at all times we may come to him. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 19, Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And so we have this boldness and this confident access through faith in Jesus Christ, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. We have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, as they did in the Old Testament. But we we have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And so the priests were brought near to the tent of meeting, and we have been brought near by the blood of Christ, even into the holy place of God himself. But how are we brought near? And how does this take place that we can enter into the holy place? The answer is given in our next point, the next work of God to make us priests, which is that priests must be washed from all their sins Priests must be washed from all their sins. This is what we see here in verse 12 again at the end of the verse. He was to bring them to the doorway of the tent of meeting and then he was to wash them with water. The washing here, the washing of sin is most needful because of the holiness of God. And He is a God who says that he will not allow any, no unclean thing can ever enter into his presence And so this is what he commands here of the old covenant priests, that they are to be washed with water. But this washing with water was only outward and symbolic, and it could never wash away sin and make anyone clean in the sight of God. If we are to be true priests, then we need a washing that can truly take away our sin and make us clean in the sight of God. And we have such a washing by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And Christ, in the death of the cross, has made a propitiation in his blood. And once for all, he has perfected us and taken away all of our sins. John says of the saints in heaven, that they have washed their robes and they have made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And so we have been washed in the blood of Jesus. Now the washing spoken of in verse 12 was a washing of the entire body, which took place only once at the consecration of the priests their entrance into their office. That's what's spoken of here, the consecration of the priests at the entrance of their office in verse 12. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the doorway of the tent of meeting and wash them 
with water, which means a bathing of their entire body. But then after the initial washing at their consecration, the priests only needed to wash their hands and their feet afterwards from further defilements. And this is what we read of down in verses 30 and 31, where he says, and he placed the laver between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing. Verse 31, and from it Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet. So we have the washing or the bathing of the entire body at the initial consecration spoken of in verse 12. But this is a washing over only of the hands and the feet from daily defilements contracted afterwards. Now, it's interesting to note here that the Hebrew word for both of these washings is the same, but the translators of the Greek Septuagint, they use different words for these two washings. The washing of the whole body, the bathing of the whole body in verse 12 was a word pronounced luo, and then the washing of only the hands and the feet in verse 31 was a word pronounced nipto. And we find this same distinction in the words used by Jesus in the upper room in John chapter 13. And we should turn to John chapter 13 for a moment. In John chapter 13, Jesus washed the feet of the disciples as they reclined around the table at the Last Supper. Peter objected to this in the beginning of verse 8. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean but not all of you referring to Judas. Now in verse 10, when Jesus said, he who has bathed, he used the word luo, which is the same word used in Exodus 40 and verse 12, referring to the bathing of the entire body. And then when he goes on to say, he needs only to wash his feet, here he uses the word nipto, which was used in Exodus 40 and verse 31 to refer to only the washing of the hands and the feet. And so the idea is that just as there was an initial washing of the whole body of the priest at his entrance into his office, and only a washing of their hands and feet from daily defilements afterwards, So we too have been washed from all of our sins at our entrance into the Christian life and our priesthood. And now we only need to be washed from our daily defilements as well, from the world in which we live. The great difference is in the reality of the washings, that the Old Testament priests washed only with water, And it was only an outward ceremonial washing. But we have been washed with the precious blood of Jesus, which alone can take away every sin and make us clean in the sight of God. This is what he's saying here in verse 10. He says, he who has bathed, he who has come to me in faith to be cleansed, he who has bathed himself and washed away all of his sins in my blood, he only needs, he needs only to wash his feet from continuing defilements, but he is completely clean. And you are clean, every one of you who believes in me. Notice the words there in the middle of verse 10, completely clean, but he is completely clean. The words mean he is purified. He is free from every defilement, completely clean, without any remaining sin in the sight of God. 
The King James Bibles and the Old American Standard, they translate it that he is clean every whit. A whit is means down to every last particle. Clean to every last particle. Clean to every iota. This speaks of the infinite value of the blood of Jesus in the sight of God to make us perfectly clean in his sight. We need to always remember the infinite value of the blood of Jesus because he is the eternal son of God and his blood is of so precious in the sight of God that has power to wash away every sin. Once the blood of Jesus has been applied to us, there is nothing left to cleanse. Once the blood of Jesus has cleansed us, there is not a spot anywhere to be found. There is not a particle of sin. There is not a wit anywhere. The blood of Jesus so effectual, so powerful to wash us and make us pure in the sight of God. The old covenant priests, they washed with water outwardly, ceremonially, but we have been washed inwardly, completely, thoroughly. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us not just outwardly in the flesh, as that water did, but the blood of Jesus cleanses us down into the very depths of our souls and makes us to have a clean conscience in the sight of God. This is the argument of the apostle in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer heifer sprinkling, those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, then how much more will the blood of Christ Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve a living God. So there is this inward cleansing that takes place by the blood of Jesus. We may add to this as well, there is what Paul calls the washing of regeneration. Which is an inward washing of the heart by the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the Christian life. Paul writes to Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, he says that he saved us according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. So there is this inward washing of the regeneration that takes place by the Holy Spirit in the beginning of the Christian life. This is what Jesus spoke to Nicodemus about when he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, water that cleanses and the washing of the spirit, he cannot see, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So those old covenant priests, they were cleansed outwardly. With water, we have been cleansed inwardly by the power of the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Another work of God in making priests is that priests must be clothed with holy garments to enter in to the holy place. Priests must be clothed with holy garments. We learn, we read this back in chapter 28, Exodus chapter 28. We'll turn back to Exodus and chapter 28. And verses 1 through 3. He says, then bring near to yourself Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the sons of Israel to minister as priest to me. Aaron and Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar, Aaron's sons, and you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. And you shall speak to all the skillful persons whom I have endowed with the spirit of wisdom that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him that he may minister as priest to me. The garments spoken here were for Aaron as high priest when he entered into the holy place. In verse 2, they are called holy garments. 
And then at the end of verse 2, we read that they were for glory and for beauty. Any priest that was to enter into the holy place of God, into the presence of God, had to be dressed in these holy garments with glory and beauty. They were to made, in verse 3, they were to be made by skillful persons in whom the Lord put the spirit of wisdom. And then at the end of verse 3, we read that Aaron had to wear them to consecrate him, to consecrate him that he may minister as priest to me. Without these garments, without these garments, without being clothed in these holy garments, no priest could ever enter in to the holy place of the tabernacle. Moses goes on to describe the glory and the beauty of these garments, the robes of finely twisted linen, the ephod that rested over the coat, over the fine linen robes, woven of gold, purple, and blue material. And then there was the breastpiece with the 12 stones for the 12 tribes of Israel set in gold. And then there was the turban on the priest's head with a plate of pure gold. And on the turban, on the plate, was the engraving, holy to the Lord. Most beautiful and glorious were the garments of the priests. But they were only a foreshadowing of the true beauty, glory, and holiness of the garments that have been given to us, the clothing with which we have been clothed, clothed in the perfect righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever had glory and beauty there now has no beauty and no glory on account of the glory and the beauty that has surpassed it in the righteousness of Christ that has been given to us. Isaiah said in chapter 61 and verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me in robes of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. Galatians 3 and verse 27, all of you have been baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. John says of the saints in Revelation that they are standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. So if we are to serve as priests and enter into the holy place, we must be clothed in holy garments and garments of perfect righteousness. This is what the Lord has clothed us with in the righteousness, the perfect righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing, there is nothing more holy and more pleasing in the eyes of God than the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing more beautiful, nothing more glorious that we could ever be clothed in, in the sight of God, than to be clothed in the perfect righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. This guarantees entrance into the holy place. This assures us of acceptance. We do not come in our robes of filth and sin. We come in the righteousness of Jesus and enter in to the holy place. By his righteousness alone, we have entrance in garments of true holiness, beauty, and glory. We can see this again if we turn back to the New Testament to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6. Verses 9 and 10, Paul warns the Corinthians concerning a long list of sins that those who live in them, they shall never enter, they shall never inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says in verse 11, he says, And such were some of you. You once lived in these kinds of wicked sins, he says, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of God. 
a threefold work of God in the Corinthians mentioned here. First, they were washed. They were washed from all of their sins in the blood of Jesus. Second, they were sanctified. They were set apart for God. Third, they were justified. Justified by the clothing of the righteousness of Christ that was given to them in the name of the Spirit of God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and in the Spirit of our God. What an astonishing thing this is, that God can take men and women like the Corinthians. And so effectual and powerful is the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that he can take them and make them clean and make them pure to be priests in his new temple. The last work of God to make us priests is priests must be anointed with the Holy Spirit. We can turn in our Bibles back to the book of Exodus chapter 28. Exodus chapter 28. And verse 41. Exodus 28 and verse 41. And God says in verse 41. And you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him. And you shall anoint them. That is the holy garments. Put them on them. And you shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them. That they may serve me as priests. You must anoint them, he says. The anointing here is the pouring of oil over the head of the priest. And it was to signify God's equipping of him to be the priest. It comes to its fulfillment in Christ, who is the great high priest. And he is the Messiah, the anointed one of God by the Holy Spirit. And Christ has the spirit without measure And Christ, as our great high priest, he pours out the Holy Spirit upon us as priests that we might serve him. We might serve God through him as priests. This is what John speaks of in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 27. He says, as for you, the anointing, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. And so the old covenant priests, they were anointed with oil on the head outwardly. But we as new covenant priests, we have been anointed with the Holy Spirit Not outwardly, but inwardly upon our minds and upon our hearts. So that we might understand the truth. That we might know God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. That we might understand the word. That we might be able to worship God in spirit and in truth. And we might bring true spiritual sacrifices to him. With the light and the understanding of the Holy Spirit by which we are anointed. So we close our time tonight with three brief applications. And the first is that we see here how great our privileges are as priests of the new covenant. How great our privileges are as priests of the new covenant. Six works of God that we have mentioned. Six works that only God could do. Six works of divine power and grace. Six works of God by which he has made us to be his priests. Foreshadowed in the old covenant priests to equip them for their work. But how much more real And how much higher is the blessing and superior it is that has been given to us through Christ. 
We have been chosen of God in his eternal election and called by him to be his priests. Sanctified and set apart from the sinful world to serve him, brought near by the blood of Jesus and washed from all of our sins, clothed in the holy garments of his righteousness and anointed with the Holy Spirit of God to serve him as priest. A most astonishing series of the works of God which show us the great privilege that he has bestowed upon all believers in the new covenant. Whatever privilege and honor Aaron and his sons had in their service of that tabernacle in the old covenant, it has been exceedingly abundantly surpassed in the privilege and the honor that has been given to us to be his priest, to draw near to God in the holy place in this way. Called, chosen, sanctified, drawn near, washed, clothed, and anointed to be his priest. A second thing we can say, a second application, is that how great is God's desire for true worshipers. This is what we see in all these works, that how great is the Father's desire in heaven to have true worshipers as his priests on earth. In John chapter 4, when Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well, the subject turned to worship. Jesus told the woman at the well that the hour had come for that temple worship in Jerusalem to be abolished. It will be no more, he says, and there will be a new and a better worship in spirit and in truth through the gospel. Jesus said an hour is coming and now is when true, when the true worshiper shall worship the father in spirit and truth for such people, the father seeks to be his worshipers. This is what the father desires from heaven as he looks down is he seeks after and he desires true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit, meaning inwardly from the heart and by the grace of the Holy Spirit and in truth, which means according to his word in the scriptures. And tonight in all that we have seen, we see how strong, how earnest his desire is to see such true worshipers in all that he has done to make us priests. In his choosing of us, his calling, his sanctifying, his washing of all of our sins, his clothing us in the righteous garments of Christ, his anointing us with the Holy Spirit. And then the last Application tonight is that we should always be conscious that we are priests unto God whenever we gather for worship in the church. And we should always be conscious of everything that God has done for us. The church is his temple, his dwelling place by the Holy Spirit in the new covenant. And we are his priests if we are believers, chosen and called, sanctified and washed, clothed and anointed by him, that we might serve him as priests and enter in to his holy place in heaven by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ and worship him with true spiritual worship. Every part of our worship service here is an act of worship in which we are priests and we enter into the holy place to offer up the spiritual sacrifices of new covenant priests. When we sing hymns, songs, and uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, it is worship. There should be spiritual sacrifices of worship that rise from our hearts in spirit and in truth as we sing the hymns of the faith. 
when we pray and when we call upon his name, we ought to join together in this cry to God for his blessing and his help, a spiritual sacrifice that is offered to him through Jesus Christ. When we hear the word read, when we hear the word preached, there ought to be thanksgiving and praise that rises from our hearts. The hearing of the word, the hearing of the word, the reading of the word, it is all worship. All of it is worship. And spiritual sacrifices ought to be coming from our hearts. We are the priests to bring these things into God's house. And being priests of God should affect us, our view of ourselves as the priests of God should affect us in everything we do in God's house. It should affect us in our preparation as we come, the cleansing away of our own sins, the confession of our sins, the putting away of our uncleanness as we prepare ourselves to come into his presence. In the keeping of the Lord's day, in the keeping of the Lord's day holy so that our minds are not defiled by the world when we come into his holy place. In our anticipation, in our seeking of God's blessing in prayer, in the reverence by which we appear in his house, in our entire demeanor, it ought to be clear that we are the priests of God and this is his sacred place and a place where he should be honored. And we come as his priests. The book of Hebrews makes it very clear that the Old Testament priesthood is gone. But that very same book also speaks of the New Testament priesthood. Because in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15, he gives direction. And he says this, Through him let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to him. And I will close tonight with... Exodus chapter 29, the last few verses of Exodus chapter 29, which is fulfilled in the New Testament church in its highest possible way in this world as we come to serve as priests. Exodus chapter 29, I close with verses 43 through 46, where God says, And I will meet there with the sons of Israel, and it shall be consecrated by my glory. And I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate Aaron and his sons to minister as priests to me. And I will dwell among the sons of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. And so this is our great desire for these words to be fulfilled among us as we come as priests before God. Let's pray together. Father and gracious God in heaven, we do thank you. We bless you for all that you have done in your wonderful works of salvation in bringing us to yourself to be a spiritual house to offer up as priests, to offer up spiritual sacrifices to you, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray that you would bless your word to us tonight, that we would be guided, encouraged by it, and that we would desire to fulfill all that you have said and give you praise and honor in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hear us now. And bless your word to us, in Jesus' name, amen.